listening to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We're equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstanford, and thanks for tuning in. I typically will work on these podcasts in the evenings, um, and this morning I'm actually up really early doing it because I'm getting ready to leave on vacation. Um, And as I'm putting this together, I just want to direct your attention to the episode descriptions because I don't mention them very often. I work hard to make sure that we have direct links to all the online things that you'll need to engage with what you're hearing. So there are links to each scripture passage that we're discussing, to our website, and even a little bit of information about the music that we use here. Um, And additionally, the PowerPoint slides are embedded there too, but I'm not sure how well those show up on every podcatching app. Um, I just want to put everything that you might need at your fingertips. Today, Pastor Todd McQueen has more challenging truths to share in our stressed series. It doesn't take long for us to learn that life isn't fair. In fact, it can be downright difficult. If God is so powerful and he cares about us, then why is life so hard? We're going to see today that the trials and conflicts we face are the growing pains of spiritual maturity. We might not like how trials feel sometimes, but let's be encouraged that God is working in those difficult situations. Let's listen into this sermon from Pastor Todd. Well, good morning, church. Trials and conflicts. We're on our stressed series, so the first two sermons we did together and studied together was basically time management, which I know that can be an incredible stressor. And so the first week we did our time, and basically whatever you're doing, however that is, put the transparency over that of following Jesus and everything that you're doing. Then last week we covered, hey, you got to cut out a section for time for God for the Sabbath. He's kind of serious about that, and how do you do that? We do it corporately together, and then you're going to have to find some time individually with God, and that's really hard to do, but he's really serious about it. And it's either we can stress over it or we can rest. So this week, trials and conflicts. How many can raise their hand and say, whoa, I've had a few trials lately or some conflicts? It's a major stressor. So we'll find out this morning... that is like working out. So you can pick out whichever one you think here is you. Now I know there's some mountain bikers in here. Robbie, I know that you're a little bit sore probably from the last time we rode out the Vortex. And I know that there is the worst of all of what's out there. What has caused me the most pain in working out is the yoga. That is the most masochistic thing ever created. Do not move off this mat and you will hurt for a long, long time. And you will cover the whole thing with sweat and never move off this mat. Somebody came up with all these great positions to inflict so much pain. Now, why do we go to the gym and work out? Why do we hit the mountain bike trails? Why do we hit the road? Why do we get a go to gym membership? For $29.95 a year, you can have a gym membership. And they're all over the place, 24-7. People work out. We take care of ourselves. 
Part of following God is taking care of our body. That's in the scripture. Paul says it. Hey, it's of some benefit to do that. And so we do these workouts. Now, when you have a really good workout, how does your body feel at the end of it? Huh? Sore, tired, purple, bloody. Miss Deb's got some, you know, looks like she was shaving her legs with a circular saw last week. Um, I probably shouldn't have said that on Mother's Day. <laughs> but mountain biking, you'll do that to you. When you get done working out, you're sore. You're hurting. You might have some gauze on you. You might have a few scars. You may have that part of your heart that feels like you need defibrillated. We are at zero ground level Florida. We're at elevation of what? Negative five sometimes? And there's still not enough oxygen. Well, the trials and conflict are the growing pains of spiritual maturity. As you go through your life, those trials, those conflicts are God's gym, the spiritual workout. As you grow up, as you work out, as you do your life, these trials and conflicts are not accidental. And don't be afraid of them. So turn with me this morning to James chapter 1. Why the trials? It's on page 851 in the Story Bible. 851 in the Story Bible. In your Bible, it's toward the back. You find Hebrews, then go one more behind it. That's how I always figure out where James is. So James chapter 1, the why. How many of us, when we're in a tough time, we say, God, why? What are you doing? Why? God's word answers that. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Right there at the beginning, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers. James is writing to believers, people who choose to follow Jesus. So this morning, I have to start out. This doesn't count if he doesn't choose to follow Jesus. This will make no sense whatsoever. This is the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your whole life. Count it all joy when you find yourself in trials and conflict. Who thinks that's a reasonable idea? Who's in the middle of a trial and says, the Bible? What? Count it all joy, my brothers. Well, I have to say, this is only going to work if you've chosen to follow Jesus. Jesus came and illustrated to us what it means to make disciples. He came in obedience to the Father for the Father's glory. He died once and for all for a sacrifice of sins. He rose triumphant over sin and death. And his parting command was, hey, go make disciples by going, teaching, and baptizing and he's promised to return again. Do you believe that? Not only do you believe it, but we got to put feet to it today because there's going to be trials and conflict coming your way. Whether you choose to follow Jesus or not, but what this is is a faith statement. Were you willing to see it the way God sees it? Are you willing to put on those goggles that says, hey, I will perceive my world around me from God's perspective, not my own. So this whole count it all joy thing won't work if you don't choose to follow Jesus? Does it make it easy when you choose to follow Jesus? No. 
Because this is probably one of the hardest texts in the entire New Testament. So for those who choose to follow Jesus, life as we know it means maturing. Trials and conflicts are the growing pains. See, when you come to know Jesus, you're an infant. You're a newborn babe in Christ. You've put on the old self, put off the old self, and you're putting on the new in Jesus. And you're like, how do I grow up in this? Well, you're just a little feller or just a little lady. And so you got to grow up. And part of growing up is these trials and conflict. There's a course of action. We transfer from being consumers of the good news. All of what Jesus was is and what he did is all for me. I can consume some of that. I take care of my sin condition. To contributors that, hey, Jesus has saved me. Now I want to grow up in him. It's a proactive faith. We go from consumers of the good news of Jesus to heralds of it, to teachers of it, to proclaimers of it by practice, participation, and service in the midst of these trials and conflicts. You get to be put on stage to do this. The steps in walking after Jesus is what he's called to follow him in this life. And part of those growing pains is maturing. So in verse 2, so when you meet various trials of various kinds, really, this means... If you happen to walk into it, in the original, it sounds like, hey, you fell into it. When you are going along and you're walking along life and you fall into a trial, you literally walk into one. The idea is, it's going to happen. When you walk outside in Florida, you're going to get hit by some sun. August is coming. We wouldn't, well, I moved to Florida and it's hot here. Duh. Christian life, you're going to follow Jesus. You're going to walk outside, and when you do so, you're going to come into, walk into trials. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Therefore, let me tell you this this morning. The good life is not the lack of conflict. If God's Word says it's going to happen, can you say, well, I haven't had any conflict in 10 weeks. Things are going well. What you are is immature. Some people... Mitigate their circumstances by eliminating conflict. I do it. No conflict, so things will go well. That's not what God's Word teaches us. If you run from them, you are cowardly going away from the gymnasium of spiritual workout. So when you meet these various trials, James is at least honest. Count it all joy when this happens, because it's going to. So when you put on faith, when you put on the God goggles, it's to reckon or to deem or to declare from the get-go that this trial is a joy because I know that it's going to test my faith. Every competitor that lines up at the starting line cannot wait to see what their workout was good for. I've never seen somebody go to the Olympics and say, wow, it would be so cool to come in last. If you've worked really hard and following what it is in your sport and you've worked super hard at it and you sign up for that race, what are you looking toward? To see the result, the test of what's coming. Our spiritual life is the same thing. Look at this. I know it's hard. I've had about 53 trials and conflicts this week and one about 6 o'clock this morning. 
How do you choose to view it? This is a test to my faith. The word test, it's the word for figuring out if something is counterfeit. Test it. You can make a profession into following Jesus says, I love me some Jesus. He's forgiven my sins. Then a test comes along and you say, not so much. I want to try out for football, but I don't want to get hit. You can sit into school all day long and say, I'm the best football player, whatever. And as soon as you get hit, quit. Look what God's doing. You made a profession in him. God's going to say, let me get with the Holy Spirit. Work through this gymnasium, this spiritual struggle, these conflicts with you to say, let's test your faith. Now, does God not know? Absolutely. He knows. But these trials and conflict are like, hey, you're walking with Jesus. Now it's time to say, what does it mean then to do that? To test it. It's a learning process. Remember when we did time management, we looked at Solomon and said, through all of these cycles of life, through all of these cycles that we went through, these tests are the same idea. You go into one, you come out of it. You can look back, did I grow? How did I perceive it? Is your faith counterfeit? Because how many of us have been walking with Jesus for a while, have known people who proclaim faith in Jesus, but as soon as the times get tough, they run? How many did it to Jesus? The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness. It's the outcome. Steadfastness has the idea that your gut is a stick-to-itiveness. You train for the 10K and you get to the 8K part and you say, that's enough. I'm picking up the sag wagon. Yeah, I'm going into the workforce. Hey, we're going to hire you, but it may require some overtime and travel. So when the overtime and travel comes in, you say, no, I'm, I'm checking out. Steadfast. Can you be steadfast at the job? So testing of our faith to see if it is counterfeit or not produces the steadfastness, the umpa. Who is the helper for the umpa, for the inter internal fortitude? The Holy Spirit and the team. I always ride faster with Harold behind me. Or trying to keep up with Sandy. Why? They're a great team to holler and keep going. You're doing good. Take that corner a little better. Whatever, when you've been in these sports, you've been in these situations, you're working out at the gym, Robbie, and you're trying to do your, your bench press for whatever. And you got Jonathan there like, come on, dude, you can do it. Be steadfast. So let's look at the outcome. So the testing of our faith produces steadfastness, and when the steadfastness has its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Talk about high goals. How many of you, when we read this this morning, said, for real? Perfect, lacking in nothing? God, the Holy Spirit, is working with you to mature you along the process. The idea of perfect is to come to complete maturity. 
This is maturity. Look, when you come to know Jesus, you're a little baby. And what do little babies need all the time? We got, oh, come on, Miss Jess, you got this down. Attention. And they need food. Then they need everything. Okay? Spiritual babies are the same way. We need to feed them, we need to nourish them, and we need to change their diapers. Then a teenager, how many of you have had teenagers in the home? Okay, this is where it gets crazy. What does a teenager, what, what is so complicated about raising a teenager? They're trying to adult, but yet need the changing of a diaper every once in a while. They need some kidding, being kids, but yet they so hard, they think they know it and they don't. But you're there as the parent trying to figure out how to train them during this teen years. Yeah, we'll give you some responsibility at which time will be an opportunity for success or a big time failure. Be home by 11. And then when it fails, whoop, discipline or good job, way to go. You're starting this adulting thing. God works with us in the same way because what is as a kid, baby, you just come to know Jesus, then you're a teen, you're trying to figure out how to do these things, you got somebody with you, then as an adult, what is an adult? Someone who reproduces. A disciple who man makes a disciple. The outcome of these trials is so you can work out with your spiritual maturity as you go through life. You don't want to have conflict? Stay as a teen or a baby. You will not be a spiritual adult. The outcome, so that you may be mature, that you may be spiritually developed. Your faith muscles are being stretched during these conflicts and trials. Stress is, I refuse to let God work through these trials. I am mad. I'm not seeing God's perspective of working out my spiritual muscles. The stress is, why? No. Changing things up. Maturity is, here we go. Six o'clock in the morning. I'm going to put my running shoes on again. It's raining outside, but I know I've got some cheerleaders. And here we go. I'm going back to the gym. Till when? Who's got this all figured out? Nobody should have raised their hands. So I'll put mine way down here. Till Jesus comes back. While this following Jesus thing is for complete maturity, you mean God says, keep at it until you're done? Yeah. You don't graduate. We do not have graduation ceremonies for spiritual maturity. Unless you call those funerals. Which I've heard some people say we're having graduation ceremony. But we do not, at Grace Church of Acalo, in our discipleship ideas say, well, once you get 45 years of age, you can graduate from this. Or when you get 79. No, because how many of our mothers that are celebrating Mother's Day today have conflict in their lives who have crested 65, 70, or 78? Yes. This doesn't stop. Until you reach fuel maturity, it's an ongoing, lifelong battle. Life gone trial, life gone conflicts for your spiritual workout. So we touched on James 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2. The why, 
What's the purpose of it? It's only for people who choose to follow Jesus. Trials are a matter of when, not if. Don't run from them. The testing to see if your faith is counterfeit produces steadfastness, and steadfastness produces maturity. Grow up. The full effect, the literal language in the original is work. This is some work. The work of developing spiritual guts, an inward God-based fortitude. It's continuous throughout our faith walk. Our trials, or you can think of it this way, are to remove immaturity, spiritual defects, and blemishes of our spiritual character so as we grow up and mature into spiritual adults. James 1 and 2 through 4. Now flip, maybe it's on the same page, James 1, 19 through 20. Pick up with me in verse 19. Page 851. So God, we're going to team up. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Stop there. Know this. Learn it by observation, fellow followers of Jesus. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, pay attention. Know this. Learn this. You can either learn it by observation or you can learn it by experience, but put your mind on the treadmill so when the time comes, you can, be put, you can put this into action. Everyone. You guys, I did this with the little kids. Ready? Ready, adults? Quick to hear. Now guess in the original, it says slow. To, it says slow your mouth down. It's taken the 33 record. And put, well, putting a 45 on 33. I almost messed that one up, but I did have a record player. Jack, do you have a record player? No, you did. You didn't have a record So you slow it way down. So we're going to go quick to hear, slow to speak. Quick to hear. Quick to hear. This is the first thing when somebody in your life is going through a conflict or trial. Listen, most of us shoot off at the mouth straight away. We've read 15 Dear Abby articles or something, and we must apply to this, or we saw something on Facebook that will apply to this, or there's maybe an essential oil that does something for that. I don't know. The goofiness of opinions that come flying out of people's grill. But the Bible says first, be quick. To listen. So the first part, I'm like, hey, here's how you work out. Here's a part of working out what it means to be mature in Jesus, to do these, go through these trials as part of your regimen in the gym, the spiritual walk. This is, hey, here's how we team up with one another. Somebody is in a conflict or trial. What's the first thing you should do? Listen. Then keep your speech slow, simple, and plain. Slow your lips. 
got the nuance of have a retarded mouth, like a Jake break on your mouth. I just thought of that. Slow it down. Then keep anger in first gear. So it's quick, slow, slow. This is how we team up with one another. Quick, slow, slow. See, because anger is the standard knee-jerk response of life from a human perspective. In a conflict of trial, life unchecked in spiritual immaturity has anger as the outcome. We know this. Immature people, when they get into a conflict or trial, what's the first thing they're going to do? I don't care regardless of age. I'm talking about inward maturity. They get mad. It's the outcome. Pay attention here, because the outcome of your faith and spiritual maturity is steadfastness, right? This one is the outcome of immature faith is anger. So the litmus test as we're going along in life with one another is when we're in a conflict or trial, does somebody first off remain steadfast? Or the first thing to do when the fuse goes off is get mad. Let me test for maturity. Lifestyle of spiritual maturity illustrates itself in a mature relationship with Jesus when you're steadfast. You got your guts and you're sticking through it. God's got a plan. I'm at the gym, spiritual gym, working out. I'm, grow, I'm trying to grow up, and this is tough. The growing pains. How many of you have taken really small kids who are in the middle of a growth spurt and rubbed their legs in the middle of the night? I did not know this was a thing until we had the grandkids. They wail. And Deb's like, it's just growing pains. I'm like, that is real. That is horrible. For real. There's nothing you can do. I'm like, Debbie, fix it. She's like, no, they're growing. I'm like, huh. Really? So the spiritual growth has the same thing. Yeah, somebody's got some, they're going through some growing pains. An immature person is going to be angry, frustrated, and guess what? Stressed out. This whole series is either stressed or rest. How in the world do you take rest in the middle of a conflict or a trial, a challenge, a challenge that's in your life? Jesus? Okay. Or the team coming around you saying, we're cheering you on. Stay, stay the course. We're with you. We're cheering with you. Don't get stressed in the fact that God's be angry with what God is doing in your life. So let's take a case study real quick. Move to page 766. Is there conflict between two strong-willed personalities in the Bible who love Jesus? Turn to Acts chapter 15. When an immovable object hits, gets hit by an object that can't break. And that's one of the laws of engineering, Sandy, where we always theorize or something like that. I said it wrong, didn't I? Okay. Well, you got Paul and Barnabas. Page 7 or page 850 or 766. Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. 
Now, Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to do the work. In verse 39, And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they were separated from each other. Artemis took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commanded by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicily and strengthened the churches. Okay, who's the characters here? You got Paul. Was Saul. We got a leader in the church. He was incredibly well-educated, incredibly strong-willed, incredibly like dy dynamic guy. And you got Barnabas. Barnabas is the guy that's a, the, the servant's heart fellow that when Saul got, uh, converted, to, he went and chose to follow Jesus. He was the first one that had the guts to go to this guy who had been killing the church. God said, hey, go get him. So this guy's got some guts. He's got intestinal fortitude. Because God said, hey, you go get that Saul guy, and he's okay now. Sure. But he did it. So you got Paul... Incredibly strong will. He's on mission. He's planted, they're on this, they've done their first missionary journey together. And Barnabas is stuck with him. Barnabas is the servant's heart. Barnabas is the guy that's come alongside you. And at this point in the story, they've done the entire first missionary journey. They have walked all over Florida together. They're friends. They know each other. Somehow, in this time, John Mark comes up. During the first missionary journey, for some unknown reason, John Mark bails. So they get done with the first missionary journey, and Paul's like, we're going. We got to go. You can see him chomping at the bit. He's a race car in the red. And Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark with us again. No way. The dude bailed last time. How many of us have been there? Should you, if you're let down by somebody in your life, the last thing you want to do is take them on the exact same adventure again. You can see the argument. Paul's like, we're going, we're on mission, and a dude abandoned us last time. Barnum's like, hey, you know, he's kind of nice, Paul, maybe. You know, I don't know the discussion, but I know there arose a sharp disagreement. Note also, who are they arguing? Are they arguing between themselves about what happened to them two together? They're arguing about a third party. How many times in our life you get in an argument with somebody that's over somebody else? Now, make it even crazier, they're all on mission for Jesus. God's doing some incredible things. The book of Acts is basically the story, the second half of it is what in the world Paul did to reach his world with the good news of Jesus Christ. But the past decision of somebody else has thrown a kink in it. How are these two leaders going to work us out? Will they continue in the conflict or continue on the mission? Will they camp out at the problem town and say, we're going to argue about this until we're going to argue about this, and we're going to enjoy arguing about this until I win. Because how many of our conflicts are like that? Somebody's going to win, and they'll just, oh, my goodness, it's every single day. We're going to revisit that and go over it and over it and over it. So will they continue in the conflict, or will they continue on the mission? 
They don't remain in conflict, but continue the mission. The trial has produced steadfastness. We're sticking to it. We're going to continue on this mission and what God has called us to do. By the way, they split up. Those of you who enjoy running from conflict because it's easier to run away from it than face it head on, do not be surprised when church leadership refuses to back down from conflict because it needs to be addressed. Paul and Barnabas were in serious conflict. Did it mean things changed? Yes. Did they stay on mission? Yes. Now, here's the cool thing. We don't know what in the world happened with John, Mark, and Paul. I don't know if they sent Christmas cards that year. They obviously weren't friends on Facebook. Paul, at the end of 2 Timothy, is getting ready to die. He sends this love letter to his young pastor friend to pass the baton of church leadership off and says, Tim, will you do this? And he makes some requests to little Tim. And one of those requests is to say, hey, send John Mark to me. He's one of the most faithful people. Paul didn't hold a grudge because of the conflict for the rest of his life. At the very end, we get this little dinky verse this little dinky nuance that they did. That's who Paul wanted. What happened in between? I don't know. It's a cool God story that we don't get to know. But the one dude who blew up, caused conflict, and God's inspired word is somehow the same guy that Paul at his last days asked to see, asked to have visit him. That says something about God working through conflict. That's steadfastness over the duration. This is the exact opposite. I'm not going to the family reunion because Aunt Martha did something 25 years ago. Somebody in the church hurt my feelings four years ago, and so I'm going to hold it against everybody else for the next 25. And I know there's conflict, and it hurts, and we're going through these trials as we're working out through this spiritual life. There are, you shaved your legs with a circular saw kind of thing. I know that. This week has been that. But it's steadfastness through the long haul. So at the very end, you can look back and say, hey, please send John Mark to me. So in closing, let's just look a little bit real quick about Proverbs. It says about this whole trials and conflict. Page 437 in your uh, story Bible. Page 437. Yeah, trials and conflict are going to come our way. How do we handle them? We look at the case study where there's two people in the Bible that really got into it. And as we close, check out Proverbs 17.9, page 437. Proverbs 17.9, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Spiritual maturity in a conflict you seek to cover the offense with love. You throw a blanket of love over the conflict, over the trial, over the offense, first thing out of the bat. That's spiritual maturity. What is immaturity? You're going to repeat the same offense over and over again. Notice in this proverb, you got two sides of the same coin. You got the one who has been offended. It says, I'm going to love you, I'm going to cover that, and I'm not going to stare at it all day long. Then you got the other side, hey, you may have offended the other person, but stop doing it. 
You are not licensed as a Christian to go and offend another person in the body just because Jesus has forgiven you. We have people that think this is their profession in life. I'm going to repeatedly aggravate you with the same thing over and over again. When this proverb says, stuff it, stuff it, you're being spiritually immature. Maturity, seeking to cover the offense with love. Proverbs 17, 14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. Spiritual maturity. Quick. Slow. Slow. Quit the strife as early as you can. Because imagine a buck, five-gallon bucket of water over your head and you've pulled the plug out the bottom. As soon as you start to quarrel, you've pulled the, buck, the plug out of the bottom. How fast can you put that back in? Spiritual immaturity in the conflict is a person that's fast to run to the quarrel and then wonders how all the water got out of the bucket, why they're all wet. So maturity, quick to listen. Slow, slow to anger. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. The spiritual mature person, hey, Life is conflict. You're going to have conflict. Love people. And here's the whole thing. Through the conflict, you will gain a brother. Somehow, someway, God works in this spiritual gymnasium that when you go through a conflict and you make it through the other side, the person who joined up with you becomes stuck close like a brother or sister. It's your opportunity. If you run from conflict, you are running from the body that Jesus loves. You're running from other people that want to love you. What does it mean when you... My How many men or women do you know that come out of the military and cannot re, redo the bondhood, the fraternity, the sorority that happened when they were in those times of trials and strife? You can't replicate it. Church body, when we go through conflict together, you're gaining familial bonds. You are gaining brothers and sisters. Because when they walk through that with you, you what, who are you going to call on the next time when you're in that? Spiritual maturity is about doing it together, not solo lone wolf in the thing, not running from conflict. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life and the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Spiritual maturity and conflict. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And go slow with that power. The power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. The power of the tongue you will reap the benefit of how you interact with people in that. It's how you choose. I'm amazed. Some people are upset about what comes back to them after a trial. And I'm like, well, you've been running your mouth nasty to people, and you're wondering why they're nasty. Or when somebody's in a trial, choose to love them by how you work your mouth slowly in their conflict and trial, because at the end of that, you will be rewarded by the choice fruits of that trial because you went through it with somebody. 
And finally, Proverbs 19.11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it's a glory to overlook an offense. In spiritual maturity, it's quick to listen, slow to anger. Look over the offense. Spiritual immaturity is there's a conflict and a trial, and you've got the microscope on it all the time. You wake up in the morning, there's my trial, there's my conflict, and you're staring it down. Look over it. What are you looking over toward? Consider it all joy. Jesus is working me out. I'm going together with the team. Because as trials and conflicts come along, these are the growing pains of spiritual maturity. So this morning, what was your last major trial or conflict? Just fill in the blank. Don't say it out loud. Got it? How mature are you now? I'm applying the text. Are you the same as you were 10 years ago dealing with your conflicts and trials? Then get back to the gym. Because the next one comes around, you're going to go through the gym. So what do you should you look like now? God did some amazing stuff and grind a whole lot of rough edges off me with some brothers and sisters and spiritually matured. You cannot achieve this by running from conflict. How will you view your next trial or conflict? So the first question is in hindsight. The next, the next one is in the future. How will you choose to do it? How will you choose to see it? How will you choose to perceive it in faith? In anger or steadfast knowing these are growing pains? You're at the transition this morning. Because what I know about some of you this morning, that there is a the meter of conflict and trials in your life is really going like this. There's a lot of weight on the bench press bar. The treadmill is set on supersonic. As a church family, we want to come around you and say, hey, I know this is going to hurt. You might fall and bump your, your head. But we want to go through this with you. And by the way, this morning I needed a man to go through mine. And he's there. And they, these growing pains are hard. But consider it all joy, wrecking it as what Jesus calls it. I'm doing this for your spiritual maturity so that when you get older, as you mature, you'll be an adult who makes disciples and in turn makes disciples. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you'd like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. There are links in the episode description. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.